This is The Guardian. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. As the war in Ukraine continues, millions of people from civilians to soldiers and emergency service workers are going through horribly traumatic events. Some will go on to develop post-traumatic stress disorder, meaning these terrible experiences may cause distress not just in the immediate aftermath, but in the months and years to come. I wake up in the middle of the night shouting, small children at home, and quite often they'll then wake up. PTSD can make everyday situations feel extremely distressing and overwhelming, preventing people from moving on and rebuilding their lives. The best way that I would describe it is as feelings of recurring terror. If you imagine re-experiencing the worst thing that has ever happened to you. So why do some people develop such a debilitating condition? And can understanding more about the psychology behind PTSD help to build resilience and improve treatments in the future? From The Guardian, I'm Ian Sample, and this is Science Weekly. Whenever anybody goes through something extremely frightening or distressing, they'll have an emotional response to that, of course. But post-traumatic stress disorder is quite different. Jennifer Wilde is an associate professor who researches PTSD in the Department of Experimental Psychology at the University of Oxford. PTSD is a crippling stress reaction. It afflicts soldiers and survivors of other terrible events like mining disasters. After a traumatic event, Someone might experience unwanted memories of the event. They might have difficulty sleeping. They might not want to think about it. This is all very normal in the immediate aftermath and even up to about a month afterwards. But if these symptoms persist for longer than a month and are interfering with somebody's life, they may then potentially be diagnosed with PTSD. And do we know anything about what's going on inside the brain when someone ends up with PTSD? 
when somebody goes through trauma, they're flooded with adrenaline, which causes the brain to process at a very high rate and to encode all of the sensory information at the time. Smell gets very well encoded, colors get very well encoded. Anything that if is noticed in the future could protect somebody. This gives people the impression that time is slowing down. So many people who have been through trauma can recount it in an enormous detail. And in the future, when there is matching trigger in the environment, it's like a similar color or a similar smell, for example, that will bring back the memory of the trauma and again, flood the body with stress hormones. Often people with PTSD describe themselves as if it's they've been injected with adrenaline, they feel very, very on edge and alert and not very safe. So that's what's going on in the brain. But how does that then lead to what people experience as PTSD? In my mind, it's a disorder of memory. It's memory and overdrive. And it's the memory symptoms which drive all of the other symptoms, the flashbacks, the nightmares, the unwanted memories, the intrusive memories. And these symptoms drive the next set of symptoms, avoiding thinking about the trauma or trying really hard to push it out of one's mind, avoiding reminders of the trauma. And the memory symptoms can often cause people to think very differently about themselves, so to feel out of control or permanently changed because of what's happened. And the symptoms you've described, can you give us a sense of how they can affect people's lives? The symptoms are debilitating and they cause people to feel like they're losing control. So if you can imagine, you know, you're going about your day-to-day job and then suddenly you're pulled back into the, the memory of the trauma and it floods you with this horrible sense of fear and this feeling, you feel like you're in danger and you have that sense that you could die all over again uh, in a completely different context. So it's very disruptive. It causes people to not be able to concentrate. It causes people to be have sleep problems, to be quite irritable. So typically when somebody develops PTSD, a whole host of problems can develop as a consequence. Often people become very low in mood. They become depressed. They might lose relationships. They might get demoted at work or lose their job, for example. Lots of different people experience trauma, but particular groups such as those in the emergency services or the military are more likely to be exposed to distressing events. But not every emergency responder or army veteran is going to develop PTSD, regardless of what sort of situations they find themselves in. I wonder if there's a way of spotting early on whether someone might be particularly at risk of PTSD if a situation arises that could trigger that. This is really a fascinating area. So my team's looked at newly recruited paramedics and assessed them at the start of their training for a whole range of personality and cognitive and behavioral potential risk factors, and then followed them every four months for up to two years, assessing them for trauma exposure and post-traumatic stress and depression. And we found that when paramedics joined the service, there was only one predictor that could predict whether or not they developed an episode of PTSD during the first two years of service. And that was whether they had a propensity to dwell, which refers to chewing over the past. And if they did develop PTSD, they were more likely to have more time off work, to experience significant weight gain, to develop clinically significant sleep problems, and to report a poorer quality of life. So it had a huge impact on them. Okay, so dwelling is a factor. Are there any other things that make it more likely for someone to develop PTSD? My colleagues at the University of Melbourne have done a really fantastic and large-scale study 
uh, looking at 5,000 newly recruited military members, and they found that risk factors included being highly self-critical, having a propensity to blame yourself for difficulties, having high levels of anger, like this propensity to get angry quite quickly, and problems sleeping. And what's really excellent about these findings are all of those processes that have been identified or what we call modifiable, and that we can target them uh, with training to help to modify and bring down people's levels of self-criticism and transform their levels of self-blame, for example. What about the flip side of this? What makes someone less likely to develop PTSD? So what the team at the University of Melbourne discovered was military members who were more likely to lean on social support were much less likely to develop problems. And what we call adaptive coping styles, so this is being able to accept that difficult events do happen in life, as opposed to wishful thinking, which is a propensity to kind of try to rewrite the past which we found related to post-traumatic stress disorder in one of our studies with paramedics. Along the same lines as this adaptive coping style is being able to consider challenging events from different viewpoints or being able to reappraise them so that one can think less negatively about them. So there may be ways to bolster people's resilience before an event that happens that might lead to them developing PTSD. But thinking about Ukraine, once a conflict is underway, it can can happen overnight. Are there other things that can help reduce the risk of PTSD if you really haven't had this chance to train in advance? So once a conflict is underway, we know that good leadership is immensely important. And strong leaders who are aware of the emotional stress linked to combat and who can encourage their uh, comrades to talk or to reach out for support and normalize it so they don't feel like they're shamed for you know uh, talking about any difficulties or they don't start to think that they're weak and that can help for years down the road and then when mental health problems do emerge the research shows that if somebody did have good leadership at the time they're much more likely to reach out for help. Jennifer, thinking about the war in Ukraine, it's obviously far too early to say how or when that's going to be over. But whenever it ends, there's going to be support that's going to be needed for a lot of people. What sort of things need to be in place, do you think? I think a whole range of support services are going to be needed. Some people will have lost their homes. And of course, there are going to be differences between what soldiers need and what civilians need. I think, you know, in the immediate aftermath, it's often about finding safety and reestablishing routine and nutrition and sleep and physical health and then emotional health issues, unwanted memories and, you know, feeling frightened. It's all very normal. If these persist for more than a month and they really impact somebody's life and their capacity to take care of their children or their family or to work, then it's important that they they get some trauma-focused help. Jennifer, many thanks for coming on and taking us through all this. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Jennifer Wilde. If you or anyone you know is struggling with the issues covered in this episode, we've put links to some organisations and charities that offer support for PTSD 
on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. You'll also find a link to our episode on the psychological impacts of fleeing a war zone. Before you go, if you're interested in politics, then you should definitely have a listen to our podcast, Politics Weekly UK. Award-winning Guardian columnist John Harris hosts a cast of voices from up and down the country, as well as across the political spectrum. Listen to fast-paced, humorous and insightful takes on the week's political news every Thursday. Search for Politics Weekly UK wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to never miss an episode. And that's it from us today. The producer was Anna Jagatir, the sound design was Tony Onachuku, and the executive producer was Daniel Stevens. We'll be back next Tuesday. See you then. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.